You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Extension Hour. I'm Amy Ressler, County Extension Agent, Family Community health and I almost said my wrong title because so yeah in a couple weeks I'm supposed to go to a conference hopefully it'll happen in person we don't know but um so the organization is still called family and consumer sciences and but titles family and community health and we like words in extension <laughs> we use a lot of them and and I'm, I'm saying this because the two people that are with me here today are extension employees so here on the extension hour we talk about people programs partnerships and we've got people here today and we're going to talk about programs and we'll talk about partnerships too so we've got joe Pickin. hey joe hi there joe is our 4-h program assistant joe tell us a little bit about yourself i am um basically do a lot of work in schools if you see me around and recognize my face it's probably because i've been in, involved in some way in your child's school or further back maybe your child's um, church days or on the on the playing field of some sort um, i have been around kids and youth for a very long time and i've come to nest here at extension i'm doing curriculum enrichment for the 4-h yeah. And you know what? When you came to work for us, I kept thinking, you look so familiar. And then for some reason, at some point, I was thinking about something else I was working on, getting ready for our family's reading every day project. And I was like, oh, yeah, we worked for we worked on Fred at um, CC Hardy. Yes. With um, the Willis ISD. And um, so you were, were, were you PTO at the time, chairman at the PTO, time? Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you were one of the awesome just being a volunteer and making sure that um, children had what they needed. And then, and now Justin is um, interviewed you, brought you on, on board here at um, Extension. And um, we're just really glad to have you. So being an employee is, is that even better than being a volunteer? Oh, <laughs> well, we hope question. so, at least yeah. it's uh, for the family bottom line anyways. It's definitely <laughs> better to be getting paid for the, doing those sorts of things as opposed right. to just doing it out of the goodness of your heart. <laughs> Because you are one of those people, I think, that would be doing those kinds of things. I have. Anyway, yes. <laughs> yes. So we're really glad to have you with us. And then we've got Justin Sines, who is our County Extension Agent, Urban Youth Development, which is also part of the 4-H program. So it's one of those unique titles. One of the few yeah, yeah, yeah. here in Texas. We're a little bit different here in Montgomery County in the fact that we have two agents dedicated to 4-H. We have Michelle Mahalik, our 4-H and Youth Development Agent, and then myself, who is an urban youth agent, and we deal more with the non-traditional projects and also curriculum enrichment with the schools. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of Michelle Mahalik, she is at uh, Texas 
County Ag Agents Association meeting, and she's getting a Distinguished Service Award. She is. Like, maybe as we speak. I don't know. But sometime this week. So, yeah, she's uh, she's been with Extension for 20 plus years. years something. Yeah. So, yeah, d- does a really great job here. So um, she works with the traditional 4-H program. You guys kind of work with what we consider non-traditional, but, um, you know, it, it, it all depends on, I think, where you're focuses. So people who have experience with extension are usually familiar with um, with what they've experienced. So if curriculum enrichment is the only exposure that you've had with 4-H, then you may think that that's what 4-H is about. Although some folks um, show animals and that's the only thing that they're really familiar with. But yeah, there's so much more um, to 4-H. And I'm thinking of, so, you know, we're, this is um, in the middle of our world pandemic that we're having and and we know that education is going to look different and even the kinds of things that we're doing is looking a little different um but but one of the awesome things i think about 4-h is the flexibility and you know there's 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 project areas there's uh, curricula that we have available but it really can be um focused for what what you need to kind of kind of meet your own your own needs so it it helps um, families and youth identify goals that they have and then gives them kind of a path to reach that would you guys agree absolutely yeah yeah for sure in forge we have a standard set of uh, projects but also families and kids can kind of come up with their own project a project consists of goals we want kids to be able to have a goal that they're going to set each year and at least have six learning experiences from that project whether it be to learn more about it or to improve and grow within the project yeah, and we've even had some 4-H members that kind of come up with their own project sort of a independent study project but there's you know there's a lot of stuff um, within 4-H that that's already there's there's a lot of stuff already kind of laid out there to do all right so let's talk a little bit more about curriculum enrichment because that's that's where you focus mostly Joe so what, what does what does that mean curriculum enrichment so, it sounds fancy it does um, we, we have, we're in the world today of um, for better or worse we've kind of arrived at this place where teachers have a definitive roadmap and they almost cannot bring something into their classroom if because of the testing public the testing in public schools they cannot bring anything into their classroom that doesn't in some way help kids be more successful when it comes to testing time so we're not necessarily bringing something in that's here it's completely curriculum we want you to just teach this thing that otherwise you might not teach at all it's more of a case of you need to teach this, let's give you a way to teach it that might be more exciting, more hands-on, that um, connects kids to something that hopefully in the long run makes them better people and better citizens for our world. Right. So the 4-H motto is learn by doing, and that's definitely what curriculum enrichment does. I mean, like all of 4-H does it, but curriculum enrichment in in particular. And it kind of brings 4-H into the classroom. So I've heard um, people talk about years and years ago that like 4-H was just part of schools. And, And even, so I know that there's some really small counties that still have like everybody in school is in 4-H it's just part of the school so it is the curriculum not necessarily curriculum enrichment um, but curriculum enrichment is bringing some some additional things and like you said it, it it's helpful um, because it really so it is what it says it enriches the curriculum because it adds to the kinds of things that they already have to right. learn and um, pretty much I would say like every curriculum the curriculum enrichment that 
uh, program that we have in extension, it is aligned with the TEKS. So we've had specialists that have gone through and made sure that um, the teachers can utilize this to teach the things that they need to teach. So TEKS is extension knowledge and skills. Yes. TEKS. Yeah. TEKS is essential. Yeah. Essential. What did I say? Extension. I think. Extension. <laughs> <laughs> I say that word a lot. No. Yep. So, so TEKS is essential knowledge and skills. TEKS. So those are the things that help them hopefully do better on the test. So like you said, kind of a innovative way to, to learn and to teach the kids. So you, there's, there's several. Let's talk about the ones that we have, and then we'll talk about your favorite. Is your favorite the one we're going to talk about today? Uh, or is it one of your favorites? It's you definitely at least one of my favorites for sure, <laughs> yeah. and um, I think it's very worthwhile. It's not only a good way to, to, to just hit what they've got to hit, but it's a way to connect them to agriculture and um, – frankly, the natural world as a whole, which is really kind of near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So, um, and one of the things I wanted to mention too, like as we talk about this, so we're going to talk about the curriculum enrichment and kind of give us a, you're going to, Justin and I will be your students and you can teach us. (laughs) Um, But I mentioned earlier, like right now, so summertime, school is going to start one way or another. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, And we do kind of have a way that curriculum enrichment has been delivered um, traditionally. So we can use that word traditional, but you know, that the word just not, there's, there's one what's your favorite? No, who is someone said new normal. If I hear new normal one more time, (laughs) but there's, there's lots of those phrases that we're using now overabundance of caution, the new normal. So anyway, the new normal, we're going to, things are going to look a little bit differently. So we're going to talk about curriculum enrichment, but also, I mean, some of those things could probably be adapted to um, learning at home. Absolutely. So whether you're homeschooling specifically <laughs> or, or do learning at home, um, those kinds of things can, can match up with it. All right. So Joe, tell us a little bit about some of the ones that you like to deliver. Okay. So um, some of what I do is actually just straight delivery to teachers. So over the summer, a lot of what I've been actually able to accomplish, because uh, it hasn't needed to change is, um, with exception of the number that I can address, is doing teacher workshops. Mm-hmm. So um, in those sorts of instances, teachers will come and they're, of course, expected through the districts to maintain their level of certification. They have to get a certain number of training hours per year. So they can come um, and I will actually walk through lessons with them and they will be participating in science lessons with me and doing those lessons, talking about the background, but also walking through them as opposed to just talking about it and having this idea on paper that, you know, when you go to convert it into actual action in the classroom, they may have questions or not have understood something the way it was delivered. So they're walking through those lessons um, and able to see it and, and think through with the other individuals in the, in that are there attending that day, how could I make this fit my exact situation? How would I change this for a different grade level? Those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Um, and talk about it with them. Show them the supplies that it takes, the time that it takes, all that good stuff. Um, so walking those teachers through lessons that they can then take and actually use in their classroom versus being a concept um, some training to sit through that doesn't actually impact their classroom next year. Um, That's the goal of of teacher training for me. And I I think an important point to make here, so we've been talking about curriculum enrichment. We have all of these things that are kind of like on the shelf that could be delivered or given to a teacher to teach. But it's not just that 
here's a nice little notebook. Go teach it. Good right. luck. Or, and or, it's not Joe's going to come in and teach it all for you and you don't have to do a thing. It's really preparing the teachers to integrate that into their classrooms and um, so that you help them become more prepared and confident so that they can deliver it. Right, right. Yeah. I think there's there's some of all of that involved. There are some things that I will actually go into the classroom yeah. and teach um, directly, but there's definitely also that supporting role where I can make them feel more confident in just handling it themselves mm -hmm. and hopefully maybe teaching it in a way that they re-excites them because some teachers... Um, have been teaching something for a long time and just been going with the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And hopefully these um, sorts of lessons just give them some new way to kind of really make that connection for their kids, but also to spark an excitement. Because if you're excited about teaching something, the kids are much more likely to be excited about learning it and it becomes a um, happier process for everybody. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Okay, so we are going to talk some more about um, the curriculum. So we, this is a nice little teaser, right? So that's uh, to help the teachers. And um, so we mentioned too that it could be for parents as well. But um, we are going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to come back and we'll talk more specifically about the curricula and then we'll also get into... Um, yeah, some kind of what, what does a lesson actually look like? Um, but we're going to take a break. And this is Lone Star Radio. You're listening to the Extension Hour, where we talk about our people, our programs, our partnerships, all kinds of things with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, where we try to help Texans make their lives better. And we'll be back right after this. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at pathtotheplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Relax with a cup of joe or your favorite drink for the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce Chamber Chat. The show airs on the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. on Lone Star Community Radio. Join hosts Courtney Galley and Brian Bondi as they chat about the Chamber's events and programs for the month and invite Chamber members into the studio to talk about their upcoming events and businesses. Learn about your Chamber with Chamber Chat every first Tuesday at 11 a.m.
Welcome back. This is the Extension Hour People Programs Partnerships. We're talking with Joe and Justin, and we're talking about curriculum enrichment, which is that part of 4-H that um, not everybody knows about, but it is a really big part of 4-H. In fact, I think in terms of enrollment numbers, curriculum enrichment far outweighs our traditional clubs. And sometimes um, kids make that transition from curriculum enrichment into um, traditional clubs because they go, oh, 4-H is a thing. I can join a club. So before we get um, back into curriculum enrichment, just in case people are interested in 4-H, Justin, you want to give the kind of the rundown what it is? So 4-H, it's a youth organization for kids third through 12th grade. Um, like we were mentioning earlier, you can do anything in 4-H. Most think of 4-H as cows, plows, and sows is what we built our roots on. But we do everything from robotics to photography to fashion and interior design, food and nutrition. We have fun contests where it's like Iron Chef. Um, and then we also do traditional stuff like the Montgomery County Fair with our non-livestock baked goods and handicrafts along with our livestock program. But our 4-H year does run with this school year, so we will start enrollment in August. With August 15th, we'll open up our enrollment. It is going to be $25 if you register, bef- if you enroll before November 1st. And then after that, it'll be $30 for the entire year, and it's mm-hmm. just an annual fee. Once you join, you can pick one of our th- 30 clubs that we have throughout the county. Some of them are going to be general clubs that are made up of kids from all over the community. And some of them are going to be specific clubs like our shooting sports and where they have archery practice. Um, Every couple of weeks, we have a vet science club, a horsemanship club where they practice various horse events such as um, barrels and poles with we think of our traditional radios and we do some of our uh, they actually show horses. They have halter classes for horses as well. So we do have some more specific type of project clubs like our dog our dog project. So there's a little bit of everything for yeah. everyone. And, and $25 is a registration fee, but that that's really very inexpensive compared to some youth opportunities. There, right. there. there will and occasionally be an additional fee, like the shooting sports club that he sure. mentioned, just to make sure that they have supplies for the kids. But still... Definitely an inexpensive option compared to going out and outfitting mm-hmm. yourself, especially if your child is trying something new mm-hmm. and you want to be sure that their interests lie there before you make a sizable investment. Mm-hmm. So as far as interest goes, I feel like if you're talking to parents and you say, why should your kid join 4-H? Well, you talk to them about developing a leader and all of the ways that 4-H builds kids' characters and helps them prepare for college and maybe even pay for college. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to kids and you want to get them excited, you say things like, did you know that you get to choose your pathway and you don't have to do it? whatever it is the grown-ups say we're doing this week, but you get to pick what you're interested in and pursue that, mm-hmm. as long as, of course, you can get your parents to jump in and you know give you a little support. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, it is, it is kind of a family affair. I mean, it does take family involvement, um, except if you're doing curriculum enrichment. So if it's part of uh, what you're doing in um, the classroom, and as we mentioned before, it could be in the classroom or it could be um, at home. It could be adaptable to that. Um, and you were telling me a little bit about, um, so all of the curriculum enrichment, regardless of what it is, um, there's certain we, certain things that um, kids need as for a foundation um, from grade to grade. And the curriculum enrichment is specifically um, designed to reach certain age groups, um, right? So it, it's adaptable and flexible where it can be um, 
you know, depending on kind of how you take it, it could be different age groups, but um, pretty much, I mean, it's very age appropriate. That's what I'm trying to, trying to say. So um, all of the curriculum enrichment is based on um, the foundation. So um, you were telling me a little bit in the break about um, foundations that kids might have missed with this kind of weirdness right. that we've I mean, had. We would definitely all in a, in a, in a world that we could design ourselves, right? In the perfect world, we would have finished the school year in a normal way and we would feel assured that the, that the delivery of all of this learning um, took place as it was expected to. Um, but typically a lot of our curriculum enrichment right now is science geared. And so just to kind of give parents and those of you that are less familiar with the classroom environment a little bit of a, a snapshot, kids basically start learning in kinder and they have to build the foundation and they're not tested as far as our going back to our standardized tests they are not tested on science until fifth grade and once they hit fifth grade at the, and when they're tested they're expected to possibly you know it's fair game for them to go back and test anything all the way through kinder so when we look back at the end of the year we basically understand that our traditional learning stopped at spring break and everything that would have been covered past that point might be slightly more questionable than it would have been in a normal year. We kind of need to look at where are the holes potentially. And the scary thing about it is as I was um, preparing for today and just trying to make sure like, did I have enough to talk about, to persuade those that are, might be like, oh, well, who cares if we missed, you know, from spring break to the end of the school year, it's not that long. and We, we probably wouldn't have been learning that much anyways. I went back and looked at the science test for last year. Mm-hmm. There were 36 questions on the fifth grade star test, some of which some of us might struggle to answer at this point. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of another story. Anyhow, 11 of those 36 questions were based on essentially life science. So the stuff that would have been covered past spring break. So 11 out of 36. So we'd like to think that, you know, unless we were in that period where we're going to be tested, it's not that big of a deal. We'll play catch up. But... Teachers have a lot on their plate, and it's mm-hmm. hard to go back and cover what was missed last year, plus cover all the stuff that's supposed to be covered this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to do the best that we can to prepare students to to be building on a, a level foundation as opposed to trying to build on something that they should have learned, but oops, it fell through the cracks. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously, as you said, I mean, that, that's going to vary at different grade levels. I mean, kinder students are not learning the same things as third graders, but it is a lot of the same overlapping topic. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of adding on additional information to that. So, um, again, if you're looking at teaks and actually reading through those things, and I know no mm-hmm. one wants to do that <laughs> unless they just need to put themselves right. to sleep, but if you're reading through the teaks, it's things like... Um, life cycles and it's things like interdependency and it's things like they they title that section organisms and environments and essentially what that means is it's life science so don't feel as a someone who's talking to kids about it don't feel overwhelmed like well I can't possibly talk to a kid about the things that they would have learned in second third fourth fifth grade science a lot of it is stuff that you know and it's maybe just kind of transitioning it into language that then can translate onto a worksheet or a Mm -hmm. science test Um, but they do need those foundational aspects and they need to connect theory with real life which is my favorite part of science that you can make it hands-on and it's something that they can see um, and it's something that they can experience in a, in a best case scenario so that it's not just some knowledge that we read about in a book and, and then 
you know, try to put it on a test. It's actually, it is life. Um, explaining life science, it's, um, again, it's, at this time of year, it's things like taking out your kids to the park, and as we are, you know, continuing to keep ourselves safe, take yourself to the park and go and look for tadpoles in the pond and talk with your kids about the fact that those aren't fish, that they're going to grow into frogs and all the steps involved in getting the frog out of that little swimming thing that you see down in front of you. So what's the difference between, let's say, um, kindergarten and first grade? So it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of difference, but kids grow really fast and they learn lots. They, those they do for sure. Um, at the end of kinder, they're going to be talking about things like um, the basic needs. So um, if it has basic needs, then it can be a living thing and you don't have to feed the pet rock, right? right. Um, it doesn't need to breathe. <laughs> it doesn't grow, those sorts of things. Um, and we're talking about the plant life cycle as well. And then when we go into first grade, we're talking about, and it sounds like a big leap, but we go back and we talk about the plant parts. So we're talking about how, you know, a plant is able to go through its life cycle because it can meet its basic needs through having these parts, the roots, the stem, the leaves, all these things. They're not ready to talk about, um, you know, how the plant necessarily accomplishes that, but that it has these parts to get to it. Um, and in first grade, which is kind of a, a, a jump jump ahead or a preview to what we're going to really focus on, they hit the, start hitting the animal life cycles mm-hmm. at that grade level. And, and they give examples of what the animal life cycles are that we should be studying, and the example that they give is the chicken. Mm-hmm. They also give the frog and the fish. So... Um, having studied several years worth of star tests, I have yet to actually see a chicken on the test. It's more a case of have this background knowledge and then be able to apply it to something similar or make a comparison from this life cycle to another. So. Okay. So then from first grade to second grade. First grade to second grade, then we're jumping into um, food chains. Um, so it kind of reaches back a little bit to the interdependency thing. It's looking ahead to how the energy flows when we hit third grade. It's animal characteristics. It's plant characteristics. It's things like how does this animal's part help it meet its basic needs. Um, so, you know, for example, a, a beak on a chicken, how does that part how is it necessary for meeting its basic needs as opposed to just being some decorative um you know part of the animal or the plant um it's understanding things like the plant has the flower so that it can then make seed and we can start that life cycle over again so it's um like i said it's basically taking it's taking those smaller blocks and building a bigger picture as we go along and so we don't have those blocks it really becomes hard to and, and that's kind of what you were talking about too, to the the foundation and it builds. So yes. it's important that it kind of goes back and forth, but definitely you need those, those ideas to begin with, to go on to the next Correct. topic. For so, sure. so second to third grade, is that, is that a big jump? Yeah. that <laughs> If you were to ask a teacher that they would say, absolutely. Um, second to third grade science, it's, you know, it's, we go up to structures and they start using different terminology. At that point, they're going to say maybe adaptations or structures and functions. Um, they start doing life cycles, a combination of things, instead of just saying plants or animals. Now it's plants and animals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those kinds of things. 
Um, as far as what they're asking their students to produce in the classroom, yes, it's definitely a big leap. Um, if you're studying it on paper, it maybe doesn't always look like a huge leap as opposed to, you know, looking at their specific teaks, but what they're asking them to accomplish and put back in an assignment format, then mm -hmm. yes, it's definitely a big leap. Um, I would say as far as science, I, I, I would say fourth, going into fourth and, and then definitely going to fifth are definitely bigger leaps as far as looking at their what they're learning in science. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's all, it's all difficult to accomplish if you don't have a strong foundation. Right. So it's, it's important to make sure that we're, and I do a lot of, um, don't always hit the testing grades. Um, I do a lot of foundational stuff in, in first grade, looking ahead just to make sure one to help those teachers make sure the foundation is there um and and two just you know kids can, are so excitable at those ages and they and they um they're really their little their brains are sponges and they soak so much stuff up and they get really excited and they they want to continue down a pathway um and really learn and soak it all in and um it helps them to have foundational science with with the further caveat of sometimes teachers are so tasked at those early grade levels with learning um, reading and some of those things that they feel like are pushed at those early grade levels and science can kind of be almost left out if they don't have a little support mm -hmm. like a curriculum enrichment to make it easy and fun and a little bit less work for the mm -hmm. teachers that makes sense and then so I know tests are controversial. Everybody has an opinion on, you know, how and why and when we should and if we should test and that kind of thing. But um, what, you, what you're describing, um, I think, is an ideal situation. So they're, they're, they're learning along the way so that you're, you're building up that foundation. And so then it's not so much teaching to the test, but it's teaching them about life and apply it, apply it to life. And then when it does come around time to take the test, it's just, that's the things we've been learning. It's right. not necessarily that, that big of a deal, right? If we can prep it and, and put it in front of them that way, then yes, I yeah. feel like that would be a much better situation. I feel in too many times I've seen it be sort of the opposite where teachers are like this is going to be on the test and they're they're kind of stressing them out a little bit and mm. we don't want it to be that way you want them to be learning something that excites them and and just they then feel confident about and mm. they can easily you know put it down on a test and not stress yeah. <laughs> not stress the teachers not stress the parents not stress the students that's the ideal situation of mm. course so that it's not just book knowledge but it's experiences and yes. so then when a question comes up they can go oh, yeah that's kind of like when yes. I saw the egg hatch or yes. whatever it is yes. so Justin you've told me before your favorite grade is third or fourth which one? Fourth grade. Do you like fourth grade best? Do, yes. Just, why do you like them better than third graders? What you got against third graders? Nothing against third graders. <laughs> it's that fourth grade, that in between third yeah. and, and fifth grade. Um, they really, like Joe was saying, they really absorb um, what you're teaching them and they really do get excited. So I know when we do some of our agricultural events, it's really easy for them to get excited about it, but it also sticks with them. You can talk a little bit more. Um, go into a little bit more detail on some of those concepts mm -hmm. with the fourth graders. So a lot of our curriculum enrichment and some of the um, events that we do, like special activities, are kind of focused on third and fourth grade. And then also third grade is the grade that they can officially become an official 4-H member. Um, we do have some stuff for kids before called Clover Kids. 
um, but third grade is kind of that grade that they could they could join a 4-H club and start doing some of the 4-H contest and that kind of thing. But then we're also preparing them in the classroom with the curriculum enrichment, and hopefully all of those things go together so that kids literally are doing, like I said, the 4-H motto is learn by doing. So they're, they're learning while they're doing with, with hands-on and um, getting some really good things that are going to last them a lifetime. So not even just for the test, but, you know, they could be... 30 years old and be thinking of something new, right, Justin? Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do another break, and we're going to come back, and we've been talking a lot about the curriculum enrichment and kind of what, um, you know, the why we do it, so we'll talk a little bit more about what it is um, right after this. You're listening to the Extension Hour, People, Programs, Partnerships, Texas, A&M AgriLife Extension Service, and I better just go to a break because I'm, like, rolling over my words now. All right, see you in a minute. Want to check out the fastest growing sport in the world? It's right here in Conroe, Texas, and it's Roller Derby. Conroe Roller Derby is a nonprofit recreational league of women and men who want you to come and check out the fast paced, hard hitting game of roller derby. The Conroe Cutthroats practice at Rainbow Roller Rink on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You can find our game schedule and more information on our website www.conroerollerderby.com What can the Better Living for Texans program do for you? You can learn how to increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, choose foods that are relatively inexpensive and good to eat, make your food dollars last longer, prepare quick, nutritious meals, help your children learn how to eat healthier snacks, and much more. Our program is committed to helping people like you improve your health through providing research-based nutrition education in a friendly, cost-free, and relaxed environment. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Remember to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on your computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. Lone Star Community Radio broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Welcome back. We're having a very enlightening and enriching conversation because we're talking about curriculum enrichment. And then I'm I'm just coming up with all kinds of like words and new names and that kind of thing as I, uh, you know, my mind sometimes goes faster than my mouth or maybe it's the other way around. I'm not sure. But we're talking with uh, Joe Picken, who is our 4-H program assistant here in Montgomery County. We've got Justin Sines here, who is our urban youth development agent here in Montgomery County. And um, we have a great 4-H program. We have over 30 um, traditional clubs and then we've got some excellent curriculum enrichment opportunities that are in a variety of schools all over Montgomery County so we do serve Montgomery County specifically however every county in Texas has an extension office or is served by an extension office um, they're, they're all of them are a little different we're very fortunate here in Montgomery County to have a large staff we're extremely blessed to have program assistants that help us with the 4-H program and then we've got one for family and community health program so that helps us um, extend and do even more extension. Um, but, you know Montgomery County is a big big county and it's growing fast and so there's probably more to do than you know than even the ones that are here <laughs> could do. Um, 
But so Joe is the program assistant. Her job is mostly to work with curriculum enrichment. You kind of get to do just like all of us. We end up being a little bit of a jack of all trades where we do some things that we didn't really think were in our job description, but we do them because we're all about helping people. So helping Texans make their lives better. That's that's basically our mission, and we do that in a variety of ways. But yeah, with curriculum enrichment, um, that's one of the ones I think reaches so many youth. And so Joe has been in lots of lots of schools here in Montgomery County, um, offering curriculum enrichment, working with the teachers, uh, preparing the teachers, and then you also mentioned sometimes you know going in yourself to do. Um, programs. Yes, there's um, there's a list of programs that I've already prepared that I have materials for that I have gone and implemented in the classroom directly myself. Those are typically um, a single visit where a teacher would either decide and, and commonly it's it grows from this, but it might be that one teacher is interested, um, has a particular desire to do something a little more hands-on a particular topic, and so they may ask me to just come and do a lesson with their students, but that oftentimes um, morphs into m at least them and their teaching partner and many times it ends up being an entire grade level. Um, so for example last year I went in um, and saw the first grade at um, one particular elementary fairly often um, because I had made that connection with a teacher and she knew that I could interest her students and had hands-on um, lessons for them so um, we did a soil lesson for first grade so that's they had to a, play in the dirt. Yes, they, and they actually did. Um, yeah. That was the hands-on kind of payoff at the end. We talked with them about um, needs versus wants, which is not just a science thing, but it's also a social studies um, cheek for them. And at the end, what they did was actually looked at three different soil types and got their hands in the dirt um, and were able to feel that and experience it. Um, in a place where no one was screaming at them to stop getting dirty and go <laughs> wash their hands immediately. Um, so soil is one. Um, insect mouth parts, reaching back to that discussion we had a second ago of structures and functions. Um, we also have a food chains one, a food web one. So those are kind of, again, that kind of touches on the idea of building. You have to understand the concept of food chains. In other words, feeding one thing, eats this, eats that, eats the next thing, and then you build it into a whole environment um, in a habitat where there are multiple options for this mosquito could be consuming or be consumed by multiple things. So that's kind of a food chains, kind of a first and second grade, maybe third grade, and then food webs are a fourth and fifth grade thing, kind of taking that and growing that idea. Um, and also life cycles. And life cycles is something that can be done in conjunction with, um, which are our big program, which is has hatching in the classroom. And sometimes it's done just by itself as a standalone program. So those are ones, like you said, could just be done in a, in a class, one class or a yes. um, couple of classes. Uh, also the strengths... Field stream, stream trailer, stream trailer, stream yes. trailer, like like field and stream, right? <laughs> so you guys took that to Willis last year. Yes, that's of one places. of my um, one of my favorite curriculum enrichments is the stream trailer because with Texas and Agri Life Extension, we do have some great resources, and so our district office has a stream trailer, and it's a four by eight. Um, table where we have a water pump at the bottom, and we have grit in this um, on in the table. It's more of a table top tank. Um, and we basically are able to simulate how rivers are formed. And so we use this to talk about weathering, erosion, and deposition. And with the science um, classes, it's hard for those kids to grasp the knowledge of weathering 
and erosion from looking and reading at a, on a book. Uh, they don't, they can't grasp it until we show them at the stream trailer. We have about 20 kids around it. We turn on the pump and we start with a straight river and that slowly over time, this is a model and it happens fairly quick. We can start to see that river because of weathering where the particles break apart and then erosion, those particles start to be moved. We see our river starts to meander, it moves and we start to see curves and those kids see firsthand about how rivers get formed and why our rivers kind of curve. They're not straight lines. And so it's really cool to see those kids get excited and, and actually take what they've learned in the book and see it in person. Yeah. And then again, relating life to science and life science. Yep. So um, also when we were talking about curriculum enrichment, uh, so there's a lot. You, you talked about parts of the plant, and that reminded me of that's actually a lesson in both the Junior Master Gardener program and the Learn, Grow, Eat, Go program, which are kind of partner programs. Um, and we've done some shows before with the, some of the volunteers that do the Junior Master Gardener programs and the Learn, Grow, Eat, Go. So those are those are things that are offered as well. But um, probably the one that you do the most and um, probably Reaches favorite. the most students, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I spend a great deal of my time doing in comparison to other things is hatching in the classroom. Yeah. Sometimes we call that egg to chick, too. So we kind of sometimes use those terms interchangeably, but hatching in the classroom, all about the life cycle of the chicken. Yes. So um, as I kind of previewed earlier, it is mentioned in the first grade teaks. That does not mean it's limited to a first grade classroom. Um, we're very blessed, and we've kind of said this several times, but one of the other blessings of working for Montgomery County is that we have um, incubators and turners. We have the equipment to make this a little bit of an easier experience for teachers. So we're able to um, loan this equipment out to them and help them secure eggs so that they can actually um, do the full 21 days and then plus however many days they're willing to host chicks in their classroom. Um, but so their students are actually seeing this happen and experiencing it real time. And I'll come in and do a couple of um, lessons with them myself for sure to just to make sure that um, all of the full potential of this experience um, is realized. So how many classroom lessons are included in the... They're definitely going to get to, and I, I try really hard, um, if my schedule allows, to make sure that it's not just... Um, typically, we're going to have one to two per campus at a time, so one to two machines per campus at a time, just to make sure that we're not monopolizing, um, you know, any one campus that got really interested doesn't get to keep someone across the county from having the experience. Um, but I will make sure that at least we offer, if I can, if I can accommodate it, that I will include the entire grade level. So let's say that two first grade classrooms um, actually have are hatching in their classroom. I will include all of the first grade classes in doing um, both a life cycle lesson, which will do the chicken and depending on their grade level, at least an insect and, and another animal um, and a plant. And then we'll do a candling lesson as well, and that's one of the most impactful. The teachers um, get really excited about it. They tend to want to video it um, so they can share it with someone at home later. And the students are very, um, it's, it's, they understand that there's something alive inside the egg in theory. And then when we do candling and they're actually seeing something in there, that is clearly alive inside the egg developing. It's a really aha, impactful moment for them. So tell, tell us, like, how, did, how does the candling work? So you have to have, um, 
it, is, it has to be in a certain window. Well, it doesn't have to be, but if you want it to be, you know, a great experience for them to actually view, you need it to be within a window. So it's 21 days worth of development in the egg. So from the time that you start them to the time that they hatch should be 21 days. There's a little variation in there, but we'll just go with 21 days. You want to candle ideally between days 10 and days 14. So that's where sometimes it can be just a matter of trying to manage my own time and going from one side of the county to the other and still trying to include as many people as possible. But you want to, um, what you do is remove eggs from the incubator. You have to make a classroom as dark as possible. And then you, it's called candling because once upon a time, of course, they were using candles. Like literally and, a candle. Correct. <laughs> and fortunately for, you know, smoke detectors and all those sorts of things now, um, we're able to use a flashlight so we will remove them make the room as dark as possible make sure all the students are seated and stationary and understand that they're not to move make sure it's safe but turn it off um, shine a flashlight into the egg and then point out to them all the things that are hopefully going on in there now it's science and so you will occasionally and a part of the reason that's important to candle is there will be some that are not still alive and need to be removed but you're going to show them the pores in the eggshell. You're going to show them the blood vessels running down the side. You're going to show them. And part of the reason that you shoot for that 10 to 14 day window is the embryos at that point are not so big that you can't see anything else, but they're big enough to have developed um, some things that are recognizable to you, including their eyes, which are usually some of the easiest things to see. Um, and at day six, they're capable of voluntary movement. So if you're hitting that 10 to 14 day window and you put your flashlight on um, something that can't shut its eyelids to the point to block out that kind of light, it's going to actually move around inside the egg and that's what's so exciting for everyone. Yeah, so they can actually see the reaction and what's happening. Yes. So you mentioned a couple of, so those two lessons, but it's a 21 day project. So um, even if you're not necessarily talking about it every day, when, when they have those incubators in the classroom, it gives the kids an opportunity to think about it Absolutely. every day. And it's kind of exciting to think, oh, what's happened today? And, Absolutely. What's happened today? <laughs> and I do provide them additional lessons for them. I mean, I, I it's science teachers, teachers in general are going to have access to a lot of material anyways, mm -hmm. but I will give them more lessons for them to have access to that they can implement themselves during that 21-day period just to make sure that um, they're using it to its full potential because mm -hmm. if your students are excited you might as well carry it over to not just science but you might as well be using it for your ela lessons for your language arts for your math lessons word problems all those sorts of things um, and so i've really pushed to make this program something that one they're not that teachers are not scared to take on but two that they um, are excited about doing because their students are excited and it's not something that's um, intimidating to them. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to add? No, I was just going to say it is exciting for those 21 days because it's actually pretty amazing how those eggs, how much transformation happens in 21 days. It goes from a little speck to a full-grown chick in three weeks and day-to-day -day they're actually growing quite fast. It's, it's, it is really fascinating for both kids and adults to see that process firsthand. And you guys, you had some projects going on when um, during spring <laughs> yes. break and then after spring break when yes. um, kids did not get to go back into the classroom. But you helped them go ahead and see them hatching, right? I did. So that was a kind of a, we had all the way across the spectrum. So there were some schools that were fortunate enough to have just finished their project when mm -hmm. spring break happened. And so for them, it was it was all done and all good. 
Um, although I did end up with some of those chicks at my own house because we <laughs> hadn't made any other preparations. Um, I had one campus, bless their hearts, um, and kindergarten students who had taken this on and they had reached day 18 and then they shut down schools. Uh-huh. So I went and picked those up and I um, Facebook Live broadcasted their hatch from my house um, <laughs> so that they hopefully could see the you know the fruit of their labor so to speak Um, and then we actually had a lot of schools that were signed up to do it after spring break Um, and so I did a virtual hatch at home and did all the steps and and videoed and did experiments and made it accessible to those students through their teachers um, for actually just learning at home yeah that's awesome so uh, we've been talking a lot about this as an opportunity but we haven't really talked about how do teachers or parents take advantage of this opportunity what do they have to do at this point it's mostly a matter of contacting us directly we don't have um, like a an online sign up or anything as complicated as that although um, as our programs grow and our continue our county continues to grow it may we may get to that point but for right now it's basically just contacting us um, the simplest thing is probably to email us um, but you're always welcome to call the extension office um, and if you have questions that you don't think would be easy to convey via email but as far as signing up at this point it's um, mostly just contacting us directly so you can call us at the extension office 936-539-7825 Five <laughs> or seven eight two three or seven eight two two. We we they all go to the same line. Um, and then there's a menu system. Four H is first, second. We're third. 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 No, we're three. Three. Okay. Yeah. So you can, you can press three, and then Joe Pickin is the one that you um, want to talk to when you uh, uh, do that. So, or you can email. So, do you mind giving out your email address? My email address is basically my name spelled out. So it's J O dot Pickin, P as in Paul, I C K E N, and then the extension is at ag dot t a m u dot edu. Okay, and then Justin, you want to share yours? It's going to be Justin J U S T I N dot S A E N Z at ag dot t m u dot edu. Or if you do Facebook, there's a Facebook page. You can reach out on Facebook. Um, we do have a um, regular website. What was that address? It's going to be agrolife.org slash Montgomery 4H. And uh, so that you can also reach out that way as well. So there, there's there's lots of ways. Um, and so, that I mean, you know, sometimes just reaching out is half the battle. But we've got um, excellent help that can um, serve your needs. Okay, so we have a few minutes left. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. And then kind of you can give us like a preview of a lesson. Yeah? Okay, you're listening to the Extension Hour, People Programs Partnerships. We'll be back in just a minute. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org. Because every life matters. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? 
Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. Do you want to know what's going on in Conroe? Tune in to Keeping Up with Conroe. Keeping Up with Conroe will highlight upcoming events and local businesses in the area. Keeping Up with Conroe will air the second Tuesday of every month at 11 a.m. and will be hosted by the Conroe CVB staff. Keeping Up with Conroe will highlight Conroe's amazing attractions for residents and visitors. So tune in to Keeping Up with Conroe and join the staff of the Conroe CVB every month on Lone Star Community Radio. For more information about Keeping Up with Conroe and the Conroe CVB, go to visitconroe.com. Welcome back. This is the Extension Hour. We've been talking with Justin and Joe. Joe's been telling us all about hatching in the classroom, um, something that's offered for um, teachers and parents. So it's very adaptable, very flexible. We've mentioned we don't know what we don't know what it's going to look like this year, um, but we are here. We're from the government. And we're here to help. We re- but we really do have um, a lot of things, and we're trying to be very adaptable um, so that we can serve the needs of the people of Montgomery County, because that's really what we do. We're all about helping Texans make their lives better, and one way is teaching them about the life cycle through hatching in the classroom. All right, so we were going to do, just, you can just imagine that Joe has more visuals and things that she can um, <laughs> can add to this uh, presentation, but just kind of a presentation for teachers would look like, or or in the classroom okay so when you start talking about chickens and the eggs and of course you get past the initial joke of which came first um <laughs> there is a little bit of um of a stumbling block for some kids that they and and if you don't address this at some point then you may you may have yourself kind of smack in the face with it at the end but they're thinking about they, they think less quickly of the chick-fil-a angle than they think of those eggs that are in the refrigerator at home mm-hmm. so one of the things that i always try to make sure besides the fact that it's talking to science is you don't want them to feel guilty about consuming eggs at home so you make sure that they understand that eggs for sale at the store are unfertilized eggs um, so how do you talk to a kindergartner, a first grader, a second grader, even up through a fifth grader about what a fertilized versus unfertilized <laughs> egg is? So, um, it is kind of a, one of those, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to gloss over it, but you don't want to end up prompting more questions that you don't want to deal with later. Um, so <laughs> or just send them home to the parents to deal <laughs> <right>? with. <laughs> Um, so typically what that looks like is basically, and an I've actually had a teacher once upon a time who I will not name names or point counties or school districts, but who um, listened to this conversation and then was like, how did I get to this age and not know that? Um, you can have hens all by themselves and raise hens, and this is how it is done commercially, without the need or presence of roosters whatsoever, and they're capable of laying eggs all by themselves. So I kind of tell students, basically the hens do all the work and the roosters make a little bit of an appearance if they're called for, (laughs) and then basically they just go back to being lazy again after that. So those eggs that are sold at the store, unfertilized eggs, which means the hen did the full work all by herself. She has 
all the things that she needs, all the parts and pieces inside her body. She forms the shell around an unfertilized egg because there's no second piece of the puzzle. And depending upon your grade level, how, um, what terminology you would use for that. So um, if it's a fertilized egg, those ones that we're gonna be hatching in the classroom, then of course we have to keep our hens and roosters together. And then at that point, we might have the two pieces of the puzzle come together. And then when the hen forms the eggshell, it's closing around two pieces of the puzzle. We have the DNA from both parents in order to form a baby chick. That's what makes it a fertilized egg. So the difference between fertilized and unfertilized is hit on pretty quickly. And then, you know, you continue on and they basically... Um, don't tend to ask as many questions as they would if you, you know, got embarrassed about it or tried to make a, a deal about it when it wasn't. So once you have fertilized eggs, um, if you're letting nature take its course, you don't, a, a chicken is only capable of laying one egg a day and sometimes it's not even going to lay one egg a day. So she's not going to sit on one egg alone. If we were letting nature take its course, she's going to lay what we call a clutch. So she's going to get three or four at least, and then she's gonna to decide to start incubating them all together. It's a 21 day period of, as Justin mentioned before, it's very rapid development. Now it seems like to an, an outsider just looking at eggs, well, nothing's changed over that 21 days, but that couldn't be further from the truth. We're going from something that's a speck to something that is capable of hatching and being, basically taking care of itself because as a chicken that hatches on the ground, it basically does. It's, it's for a day, it's gonna be fairly sleepy and kind of lay around and sleep a lot, but it's going to be completely meeting its own basic needs by itself. If it's fortunate, it may have what we call a broody hen. In other words, she's gonna kind of watch over them and they're gonna follow along close to her and watch what she does, but she's not going to get food for them. She's not going to, as we've seen other birds, you know, do like they're not gonna go out, get food, chew it up, spit it in their mouths. That is not the story for chickens. Um, I tell kids all the time that chickens grow up very quickly, very rapid growth and development. Um, the 21 days is proof all by itself, but at that point, once they hatch, they are finding their own food, they're finding their own water. Um, they do a lot of exploration and maybe investigating, and sometimes they investigate things that they shouldn't have, um, but they are able to take care of themselves um, very quickly. And the other thing that in a life cycle lesson that I would point out to them is we kind of just hit the stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, is that their juvenile period is very short as well. Um, so I tell kids in order to make it really stick in their minds, I say something like, if, if today were Christmas um, or if today were your birthday, let's say you're turning eight years old today and I give you a chick for your birthday, how old would your chicken be on your next birthday? Well, yes, of course, the chicken would be one year old, but what does that mean developmentally to a chicken? It means that your, your baby chick that you got on your birthday could actually be a grandparent on your next birthday. And that kind of really you know, boggles their mind a little bit, but it also really sticks in their mind that in four to five months, it's possible that that hen will be laying eggs. And that's actually what I'm experiencing at home right now. Um, last week, I got my first eggs from uh, chicks that came home from our last hatching in the classroom mm. that actually went all the way to fruition. And I've got a second round um, that are getting about three weeks away from laying because those are the ones that came back from the kinder class that wasn't able to see their babies hatch. So anyhow. So obviously really great lessons about life and science and, and very practical being able to see it happening in front of them. That's, that's really awesome. It is. I, I, and I definitely think, like I said earlier, science gives you that 
you know, get kids excited about science because it's not just something that's book learning. It's not just conceptual. It's something that they can actually see, experience, apply to their lives, and um, hopefully maybe grow up someday and figure out how to do things like get rid of COVID. <laughs> yes. All right. So you have some teacher trainings coming up. I do. So I've got um, I've got a couple under my belt already, but this um, next week I'll get back in gear with doing teacher workshops. I have one scheduled for the 21st that, just based on our safety protocols, um, is already full. And I've got one going on the 23rd that has a couple of seats left and on the 28th as well. Um, and I'm willing to schedule more if there is more interest in the county. So um, if those dates don't match up to you and you're interested, please feel free to reach out. Um, like we mentioned earlier, to um, via email or phone and let me know um, what we're doing again is, is hands-on lessons so that it's not just sitting and getting or sitting and listening. It's actively participating and seeing how to um, put those into action in your classroom. And we are talking about, uh, so it's summertime, right? So we're talking about schools about to come up, but really anytime you're interested, um, it's, it's a year round project that Absolutely. could be done. So don't feel like you have to contact uh, Joe or contact the extension office like this summer or this month or this week, um, really anytime we can figure out a way to help you out with Absolutely. whatever you're doing. So in the classroom, and then like we mentioned too, you can sort of adapt it to home <laughs> depending on, on what things look like. Okay, so thank you so much for being here, Joe, and telling us all about um, hatching in the classroom, curriculum enrichment. Thanks, Justin, for 4-H um, information. So there's so many things that we do in extension. And 4-H, I think, is one of our it's like our beacon it's like our shining star because it's one of the it's it's our future like literally the future because we're talking about youth but um we do talk about lots of different things on the extension hour we need to have some 4-h kids on our uh, program sometime so um we will be back um, we're here on fridays 1 to 2 p.m um, here live on um, lone star radio also you can listen um, live on facebook live and then on the radio station's website and then you can go back and listen to previous recordings so you know if you might be trying to figure out what was it that joe was talking about so www.irlonestar.com um, and then we also have a youtube uh, channel for Montgomery County, uh, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. Like I said, when we started, we like words. We put lots of words into everything. Um, but this, this is Extension Hour. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936 666 1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.